Hello, welcome to the Milestone Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Henry. I'm your other co-host, Matthew. And today is kind of a big subject, kind of the big new thing uh, we're mm-hmm. reviewing. Um, in pretty much full spoilers, I think we'll probably say when we're going to do spoilers. Yeah, um, we will. We'll give you a little bit of warning beforehand. Yeah, yeah. Um, no Time to Die, the, the new 007 James Bond film. Uh, Daniel Craig's last film. Ever. <laughs> um, <I've> uh, <laughs> um but yeah, I hope you are interested in this subject because we definitely have like it's a big movie. <laughs> it is big. About. There's a lot to unpack. Yeah, almost three hours to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, before that, I just want to mention that we have we do have an Instagram account um, at Marvelous Cinema Podcast. We have a, we have a reviews coming out during the week, usually every other day, um, when, uh, Wednesday and Friday, um, and a podcast comes out usually on a Monday. Uh, we're trying to keep it a weekly, at the very least, sort of schedule. Um, also got a Twitter account, at Cinema Marvelous, uh, where we do the same thing over there, uh, reviews during the week, and a podcast on usually a Monday. Um, we're not really going through a, like, a series of movies at the moment. I think we're just doing random reviews, I think. We are at the moment. I, I can reveal which reviews are going to be this week. Oh, exclusively. Okay, going to do that. They're going to be, drum roll please. <laughs> the Last Airbender. Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> and yeah, Seven Samurai. Oh, that's a that's a mixture. That's mm, a... nice combo. I thought I thought they went well together. Yeah, two very different quality movies. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look forward to that then this mm-hmm. week. Uh, definitely, you know, two very opposite reviews. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> But, yeah, do you want to get started with No Time to Die? Um, can do. Do you want to just give your kind of non-spoiler uh, consensus? Non-spoiler consensus. Um, mm-hmm. Let's... Where start? <laughs> Not really posh, then. Where to start? No, <laughs> when to start? <laughs> um, I think it was very good. Mm-hmm. That'd be like a one-line one li- one line, uh, opinion. Um, it's one of them films that is quite long, but and and you sort of know that it's long while you're watching it, but you're just happy to sit there and take it in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a lot that happens, and it never really drags. I think it manages to maintain a pretty nice pace for the two and two and three quarter hours that it's on for. Mm-hmm. Action's pretty nicely dispersed throughout, and on on action, it is it is pretty great. There's one sort of sequence. Right at the end, which I particularly like, which I realised when I was watching it, holy shit! I was just this is good. <laughs> um, yeah. But there are, there are there are various action sequences. I would say on the action front, it is a massive step up from. Um, I'm just going to walk through this corridor and shoot people and look completely unbothered. <laughs> Spectre summed up, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's definitely that confidence and a bit of swagger to the way he does it in this film, but it's definitely not. I can't be bothered to do this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, characters are really great. There are some characters that I didn't expect to be like, oh, you've actually got you've actually got a bit of a, a bit of a plot going on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've actually got something going on. <laughs> um, and especially especially Bond, which I'd say we've had some emotional stuff from Daniel Craig's Bond, especially in comparison with the older films. But I think this is the most emotional i think there's a lot going on here mm-hmm. um daniel craig is phenomenal yeah 
I, I'd say this is his best best um, appearance in this role. I think I would agree. Yeah. yeah. Um, the supporting cast, especially two newcomers, which mm-hmm. we'll get to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think it's. Don't get me wrong. There are a few problems which I can't really talk about without getting into spoiler territory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I'd say it was a very good action film, and for for a three and a three and no two and three quarter hour blockbuster. Yeah. Blockbuster action film, mm-hmm. pretty great, I'd say. Yeah. What's your consensus? Uh, very much along the same lines. I think it's very very good. Uh, I would, yeah, I think I'd probably call it a great kind of Bond mm-hmm. film. Um, it, I think the way I described it, whenever I, a friend would ask like how is it better than Spectre or whatever, I would kind of put it as it sits next to Casino and Skyfall, and it's a mm-hmm. long way away from Quantum and Spectre. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if it's going to be people's favourite. Like, I don't know if it's going to be over, you know, Skyfall or uh, Casino Royale. Um, but for me, it's definitely in that league. Um, and I think it's a big movie. <laughs> it's... It's hard to like describe without getting spoiled, but it's like a very plot-heavy movie. Um, it does kind of. I think before you go into this movie, I think it would help to know that it's not quite like the other Craig movies. I would say mm-hmm. it's definitely got its own tone and feel to it. Um, mm-hmm. It's you know it's a halfway between like the the comedy of like Skyfall, for example, like the kind of the suaveness of Skyfall and the kind of grounded nature of that alongside the kind of brutal kind of down to uh down to earth casino royale it's kind of a halfway between those two things um mm-hmm. but sometimes doesn't 100 percent work i would say i think there's sometimes the film gets a bit too comedic um when it's dealing with things that don't seem comedic mm-hmm. um but i think for the most part it is a very great entry and i think it succeeded in the thing that i think was most important for me going into it, which was that it was going to be an ending. Because mm-hmm. um, I think from the get-go, unlike I think pretty much every other uh, Craig film, this one doesn't surprise you by being emotional. It kind of from the get-go mm-hmm. lets you know it's going to be this sort of movie. Because <laughs> um, yeah. I think even like Scenario, which still might be my favourite, it still like starts out pretty much as you'd expect for a Bond film in some ways. Like... Mm-hmm as an action film, but then it becomes less so that. And I think from the get-go, this one doesn't pretend to be something else before it starts being a Craig Bond film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's I think it's really unique as well. I think it's kind of an odd little film, which I kind of like. Um, mm-hmm. It's It doesn't always work. I think we'll get into that more in spoiler territory, but I think it works when it needs to work the most. Um, and... Yeah, I was very impressed and very happy and satisfied. And I think I'm glad that Craig's era ends with him making a weird kind of film that's trying to do the thing that Xenoria was trying to do, and it was make Bond human, mm-hmm. um, instead of the Spectre kind of ending, which was kind of just make him the Bond we know from the other movies and end it, <laughs> and that's it. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, very positive from both of us. I think we both agree it's not perfect, but it is very good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are we? Should we say put the spoiler on now? Spoiler warning. Yeah, I think so. From yeah. now on, we're going we're to get into the uh, into the nitty gritty of it. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. well, where do you want to start? What do you think is a good point to start with? Okay, so full spoilers. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just go for the big one first. Okay, like, go for the big one. Okay, so he's dead. <laughs> yeah, he's fucking dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Daniel Craig, James Bond, kind of, you know, mm-hmm. there's not much left of him anymore. <laughs> no, it's not one of them things where it's like, oh, maybe he got away with that. No, he has definitely been blown up. Yeah, there's nothing really, yeah. There's nothing left. Like, even Logan, you know, he got stabbed and he died, but, you know, there's still a body left. Like, there's still, like, a bit of him left over. And, you know, science and magic and whatever might bring him back. I don't think that can happen this time. <laughs> um, um, but, it's yeah, like, um, It's like, um, really weird gag to remember, but I remember there's a gag at the end of Thor Ragnarok, which is, like, Korg. And he, <laughs> he's, like, talking when, when Surtur's destroying Asgard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and at first he says, it's not too bad. As long as the foundations are strong, we can rebuild, and then it all just blows up, and he says, yeah, nah, it's fucking gone. <laughs> Obviously, he didn't say fucking, it's a Marvel film. Yeah. But he says, yeah, nah, it's gone. He might have said freaking or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely... Which is very much where this film, <laughs> film leaves him. He's, he's definitely gone. <laughs> yeah. Which I, you know, I think, I think I definitely respect that. Um, mm-hmm. First time think... Bond's died, as in full-on, properly died. Yeah, first time... I think this film's like a lot of first times for the mm. franchise. Like for like most of it, it's kind of a first time thing. Um, first time there's no Bond girl. Yeah, pretty much. Or, yeah. or, or, or I suppose if, if you want to get technical, it's the first first time the, the Bond. Bond girl is the same one from the previous film. Yeah, a, a Bond wife maybe. <laughs> Bond wife. Yeah, me a question mark Bond wife. Yeah. They don't really. I kind of enjoy that they didn't really say yes or no to that. They kind of just. Mm. It might as well be, but we don't have to put a label on it. Uh, sort yeah, of thing. it really matter. They, 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 they're together. That's the main thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, don't get me wrong, this film definitely has, you know, it has the structure of a Bond film. It definitely has, you know, a pre-title sequence and a title sequence and a big world-ending plot sort of thing and a third-act action thing. But it's the little things that, in between those big sort of set pieces, that kind of make it very, very different. Um, mm. And I saw this comparison, uh, kind of on Twitter, I think, about how it's, it is, in some ways, the last Jedi of the Bond franchise. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of see that. Um, I do kind of see that in the sense that it is, it does the tropes and the structure that we we know, and but it's the little things and the little details that might piss off the diehard fans, <laughs> mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Um, and it has had that reception. Um, it's, you know, it has been critically and I think audience-wise like quite well received. It hasn't mm-hmm. been, you know, aired or like rejected. But I have definitely seen, like, you know, uh, review accounts or whatever that have like the name of like James Bond reviews or whatever. Like definitely diehard fans of the series that kind of don't like these kind of new takes on the like material. Yeah, um, I've seen similar. Yeah, and I think I think that's fair enough. I mean, I kind of always put in my mind. I always put it this way: like, if I were to see, you know, Spider-Man Four with Tobey Maguire, how would I feel about them doing like these little weird things that are not what I would see as that character's, you know, that his that character's original films? Mm-hmm. Um, so I was trying to look at it that way. But I do think this film doesn't. It's not really like a fuck you to Bond. <laughs> no, it's not. I I think it. 
yeah, yeah. I, th- I, th- I, I think for for me at least, it I, it's difficult for me to see the perspective of people who are saying, "Oh, this isn't James Bond," mainly because the Bond they're talking about, I don't like. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like, I agree. <laughs> they're like their Bond from the eight, from the seventies, eighties, nineties, and the sixties even. That's not a Bond that I ever want to see again. Mm-hmm. I kind of agree, yeah. <laughs> um, so it doesn't bother me that they do things in this film that Bond's never had before. Like having a daughter, having having being in a relationship at the start of a, of a film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Being generally more emotional. These are all things that I see massive as massive pluses. Yeah, me too, yeah. Um, and I... And we we we've been talking about it a lot since uh, since I saw it or since we've both seen it. Mm. But you know, at this point, it would be an absolute disaster if they started the franchise again and went back to that older yeah. era. Yeah, um, I I kind of wonder. I think the main thing leaving the cinema for me was the the ending was definitely it hit me. Like I did, I mm. personally I did cry. I couldn't. There's something about I think the the imagery and the music and the sort of the overwhelming sense of like, oh, it is ending. And I think mm-hmm. we've, that's kind of rare in our generation for these sort of films. Like, like Endgame is an ending, but it is like, but these characters will go on like to do different things. Like we don't have Tony Stark anymore. But we do mm-hmm. have every, like pretty much every other character aside from Black Widow or, you know, it's going to be phase four, you know, there's going to be more of this. Um, but we've talked about a lot of the text that we're not quite sure how we like move on from this because it's going to be super weird if they decide to keep uh, Ralph Fiennes M and you know uh, Ben Whishaw's Q and they talk to a new James Bond or whoever and it's mm. it's just like they just forget about Daniel Craig's Bond like I don't know it's it, it's the first time I think in the film series' history that has ever been this complicated to do a reboot. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah, how do you feel about what this means going forward? I think it, it, it's interesting in that a lot of these films where you do have the end of an era kind of thing, mm-hmm. there is definitely, there's almost always like a, set, a few scenes after the main characters died or whatever, where there's a feeling of like they're passing on the baton. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. films like you know the Dark Knight trilogy ends with maybe Joseph Gordon-Levitt's Robin, mm-hmm. yeah. that kind of thing, whether you hate that moment or not. Mm-hmm. Um, Endgame especially does because the universe is definitely continuing. But I found it really odd that this film doesn't have that. Not he, really, he, no. he Daniel Craig's Bond dies, and then there's literally two short scenes, and the film's over. Mm-hmm. His yeah. death is the, the the last big scene. Yeah. Of, yeah. the, of the entire film the, the the only two after are you know the spy people the spy gang mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> all having drinks and and you know saying goodbye to him mm-hmm. and then the final scene is is um madeline and matilda driving off into the distance mm-hmm. and that leaves it as a very definite ending definitely yeah you know, that's that definitely tell definitely says to me that's it we're done this is over Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so knowing that there is all this talk about who's going to be the next Bond, mm-hmm. it's it's weird. <laughs> yeah, it is. because where how do you where, where do you go? Because this 
this was the big gritty reboot. Mm-hmm. All the way back in 2006 when Daniel Craig was brought on, this was the big gritty reboot. This was, there was a definite kind of thing of this is, this is a new beginning. Mm-hmm. Also, I found it weird in an interview. Um, someone, um, it was the thing is the interview I sent you uh, yesterday, which is Daniel Craig and Lashana Lynch doing like the most Googled questions. Yeah. And one of the questions was, um, one of the questions that comes up is, are Daniel Craig's Bond films prequels? Mm, Which, when yeah. it came up, I kind of laughed. Because I know, I know I'm familiar with the theory, because I said, oh, he gets his double O status at the start of Casino Royale. But now it's kind of weird to think, yeah, they're definitely not prequels. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Um, unless, you know, James Bond becomes a code name after this in honour of the original James Bond. Maybe... But that would be yeah. super weird. And <laughs> it, it back to what, what I said before, I went off on that weird tangent. It would be weird to see, well, you can't do like another gritty reboot now, can you? And that and this franchise would never go R rated, I don't think. No, I don't think so. So you're not gonna go grittier and darker. Mm-hmm. So what do you do? Do you do the same the same similar thing? But if you do the similar thing, then what's the point? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and it kind of feels a bit gratuitous to just keep on saying, right, that's done, let's just start the same story again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so I I think, and we, we said this when we talked to each other, the best thing for me they can do is continue this same universe with the characters that are still in it. Mm. Yeah. Um, from Two major pluses in this film to me are Anna de Armas and Lashana Lynch. And I think... If it was me that was in charge, I would just continue with those two. Yeah. Whether it be spin-offs or a direct sequel, that is, for me, the obvious and most logical thing, because part of my mind is, why introduce those characters? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because Anna de Armas is, is Paloma, the scene that she's in, which is definitely one of the highlights of the film for me, mm-hmm. her action sequence is incredible. Yeah. And it, but the whole the whole scene, the fact that she, you know she makes it out alive, which I was I was concerned for. <laughs> yeah. People tell me she's not really in the film for long. Yeah. But that scene, the fact she survives it, that's that scene screams set up for spin off. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely like it's like in a Marvel film, I guess, when a character that you vaguely kind of know pops up. Mm, and then it is. You what you watch their actual adventure in their own film like a year later. Like it feels like that almost. Mm. Um which, you know, it's I I think even there was a recent quote recently, I think, by I think Barbara uh Broccoli. Mm-hmm. Um and I think I just think the the quote very much gave the vibe of like we're not doing spin offs, that's not what we are about. Um mm-hmm. and on the one hand I I was kind of annoyed by it because I just thought, well why give us that like amazingly like brief character or you know Lashana's character um oh yeah I guess we're doing spoilers like 007 I guess mm-hmm. um, um like why give us that if you're not going to do something with it in the future but especially mm-hmm. considering both the characters they have their kind of arcs but they don't feel like we're seeing we're, we're seeing everything we can from them and they're very good which is kind of the the double-edged sword of like how good they are mm-hmm. um but at the same time, I always kind of wonder, are we just a bit spoiled for, like, franchises at the moment? That I we suppose kind of we are, yeah. Yeah, like, we kind of can't help but just want 
every character that has some sort of like short author themselves like even like um a very good recent example for me was we're getting a apparently an agatha soul from the um the one of his character um mm-hmm. and when i read that i was like okay why <laughs> uh like she's kind of a a fun kind of over-the-top villain and we all kind of enjoyed her presence mainly because of the actress not really how the character was written i guess mm-hmm. um so I'm just wondering, maybe we're just a bit kind of, you know, ruined, not ruined, but like kind of, I don't know, we're just, we definitely get a, a surplus of just, if a character shows up, they will come back for a, a different film. And mm-hmm. 007, I guess, never done that. And I don't think it's 100% a bad thing that they're not doing it. Because I think mm. similar to how Star Wars I guess used to feel to me, I guess now it's a bit different because you have TV shows now. Um, there's also this kind of event feeling to a, mo- a new movie mm-hmm. coming out. And I think even Bond had that, even when, you know, it, like I think it's, I think uh, we had Casino Royale in 2006, then two years later we got Quantum, and then four years later we got Skyfall, three years later uh, Spectre, and then now for this we got a six year wait mm-hmm. until this film. And I think those kind of long gaps between just one film coming out that was like an event mm. gives this franchise a certain kind of prestige sort of feeling like it's yeah it does yeah um so i always just kind of feel like um a bit i don't know in the marvel mindset i guess when i ever think about a character coming back and why introduce them you're not going to do something with them but at the same time i would like to see more of them <laughs> yeah um, and I think this, the, I think that what's weird is the death is so good of James Bond in this mm-hmm. film, but it just makes me wonder, I don't know how this franchise goes forward. I honestly don't. <laughs> um, mm. I, I also imagine from, from maybe an actor's perspective, mm-hmm. unless you're maybe an unknown actor and you're just going to jump at any chance you're given, which I'm not criticising, that, that's very fair. If, if I was in that position, I would. Yeah. Um, but if you're someone like, Tom Hiddleston, for example, Tom Hardy, people who are often linked with with James Bond. Yeah. Would you want to be James Bond now? I, I wouldn't want to do it now. Because <laughs> like, um, there's this element of, I think we've always had it, like how do you fill the shoes of the last guy? Like mm-hmm. Brosnan was very popular, and then now we have Craig who is very popular, but I feel the difference is, was Brosnan kind of did a last adventure that wasn't really a last adventure, it was just a, an adventure that happened to be the last one. But this time we have a beginning, a middle, and the end sort of arc. Yeah. Um, and a whole kind of spectre, like in, like literally the entire spectre, like evil organization, like uh, going into it. And love interest is actually love interest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it just feels weird to say goodbye to that and a new guy with the same name just kind of maybe does the same thing as this for that last like run at it or mm. I don't know I, I feel like maybe the perfect mould going forward is the Kingsman films maybe like maybe go back to the wacky and the gadgets and all that but keep that heart underneath us like mm. maybe you know I feel like it might be a mistake to just do gritty reboot again where Bond falls in love or something like mm. that. Um, 
But you, you never know. I don't. I really don't know what they're going to do. Um, it's. I think it's probably the trickiest situation they've ever been in. <laughs> it definitely <laughs> like that, is because that sort of studio. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah, like you say, it's a lot of the other bonds. Like we said a lot on the podcast before about how this is the first time that a bond or the audience has gone in knowing it's a, a bond actor's last. Mm-hmm. And previously, when they've not known that, it's been fairly, fairly easy to recast. Yeah, yeah. because it's always just been there's especially after you know the first few changes. It's kind of like, oh well, it's kind of the same character. It's become tradition. People expect it now. Mm-hmm. Um, so when, when when it changes from more to Dalton and Dalton to, to Brosnan, and even from Brosnan to Craig, it's sort of like, oh well, this just happens. Yeah. Now you can't really use that. There isn't that suspension of disbelief left mm-hmm. yeah. because he's dead. Because <laughs> yeah, everybody dead just and... saw him blow up. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I think we've kind of grown attached to the MI6 like cast members, and it's hmm. and I think that's in a different way than before. Like, I feel like before Craig Q, whilst being a well-played and kind of iconic character, was very much, he came in for his one scene of he's a gadget and then left. And that was kind of the plot, kind of, just a kind of, you know, a staple of the franchise sort of thing. Um, it didn't really matter if he was talking to Brosnan or, or you know, Connery or whatever. It was just, it was just you know, that staple done again. Mm. Um and the M briefing or the money penny scene, it was always kind of the staple and it didn't really matter who was playing the character. But now, you know, money penny, you know, he, he shot Bond off a train and it had the whole <laughs> history. Um, like a really quite good almost romance and they kind of have this understanding of each other and Ralph finds M even has like a bit of an arc and Q definitely stands out as like a a very much a character linked to Bond now with like an actual kind of connection. Mm. Um, and now we just, to do a hard reboot so soon just feels like a shame, <laughs> kind of. Um, and I kind of wonder, because in my mind, before this film came out, I was just, I was just completely, 100% just not thinking about the future mm. of the franchise. And then I wonder if like the producers feel the same way. Now that the film's out, have they finally went okay, so the future, and then went, oh, fuck. Because <laughs> 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 that's kind of what my uh, feeling was looking to the future now. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. they've also, I can't remember how it's actually worked. I don't know if the rights have been acquired, the distribution rights, or if the whole company has been bought by Amazon. Mm, Amazon yeah. have bought something. <laughs> they've done, yeah, there's something there, yeah. <laughs> so they're going to be expecting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. It's difficult, yeah. Um, because yeah, you've got all these other characters that are now built up. Um, so do you just do you just recast them? Mm-hmm. Do you recast yeah. them as well? Do you get a brand new Money Penny? Do you get a brand new M? Maybe. And yeah. it's just such a significant headache. Yeah. And it sort of brings on to uh, one thing I found, which is, has helped me sort of appreciate even the film even more, is that a lot of people have said they didn't even have a finished script for this. Yeah, they didn't, yeah. Just kind um, of a, a and, Mission Impossible yeah. kind of thing of, like, just make it up as we go along and hope it's good. <laughs> yeah, because um, it, wasn't, it wasn't actually me. I remember that I heard an interview. Um, and I think the interview, they interviewed Rami Malek and Daniel Craig, and they said 
Well, they did one scene. They didn't say specifically which. And I think it's the scene when, you know, they just talk to each other. I think it's that one, yeah. Yeah. Um, they said that they filmed it as this sort of been previously intended. And they both just decided to ask the director, can we just do it again? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And apparently then that entire scene is just them going off each other. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which I think definitely works, if that is true. If I've, yeah. I, I, that's, that's been told to me right. Yeah, that, that is definitely that, one of the best scenes in the film. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that scene for me was definitely like a, a standout kind of holy shit moment, <laughs> like that sort of back and forth they have. Um, and I'm very glad as well to quickly mention that I didn't love the villain, but I do at least kind of, I'm happy that Craig's last villain was not Spectre. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I prefer this kind of back and forth than the last one. Mm, there's not there's definitely it's one I said it's definitely one of the weaker parts that this villain hasn't really got much in there. Yeah. Um and in the for a long time I was I feel like I was waiting for a big motivation reveal. Yeah. Yeah. And it just didn't come. Mm-hmm. Which was kind of a disappointment. And I do wish we'd had more of the villain, but I, that being said, I think he works really well as just an opposite for Bond and to have something like a something to echo or not a bit of echo, but for something for Bond to bounce off, mm-hmm. and for someone to just expose this story within yeah. Bond, and I yeah. think it works really well. And Ryan Malek is phenomenal. I think he does a really great job. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. It just that scene kind of reminds me of the scene where Bond first meets Silver in Skyfall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and again, another great scene, another iconic scene from sort of the Craig era mm-hmm. it's very reminiscent of that of just two people just 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 having a conversation about what they do mm-hmm. yeah essentially <laughs> just start explaining the film without explaining it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um and that sort of brings, brings us on to how did you feel about the general sort of world's ending plot uh this is like one of those things where i think the tone didn't really help itself um mm. Because I think for the most part, I quite enjoyed this weird kind of oddball. We're half doing a really fun James Bond globetrotting adventure and half doing a really emotional melodrama. I really enjoy that for the most part. But I think mm-hmm. when it comes to um, the big world ending nanobot, nan- nanobot, <laughs> like um, nanobot uh, world ending plot thing, I just think that it was kind of a bit of a leap of just kind of trust the trope that these films have a world ending plot. Like mm-hmm. it, I feel like there was maybe at some point there was a deleted scene that kind of explained it a bit more. And then this thought, well, this scene kind of doesn't work that well, or um, they'll be kind of expect that a Bond villain wants to take over the world. So why do we have to explain it to the audience this time around? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, or, it's already almost three hours long. <laughs> so <laughs> why not take that out and keep, you know, Bond and Madeline, you know, talking at one point. Like, maybe, like, I don't know, maybe that was a choice at the minute. Um, but I just think that there's a really solid kind of backstory and motivation and um, kind of parallel to Bond with um, Safin. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's very, very interesting to see them, the idea that Bond's last villain in, in this film series is another orphan. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of destined to be you know controlled by 
the death of his parents and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Um. So I, I was kind of just like really invested into that part of the story and that character, and you know his whole kind of uh, fascination with Madeline Swan, and but then like going from that to my dad owned a poison garden and it's <laughs> you know you know we're going to like you know I don't know what it, I don't really know what the plan hundred percent was. Mm-hmm. Neither was I. It's kind of. My dad owned a poison garden, and maybe I'm Doctor No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's an element of that. And also, was it ever explained why, in the opening, he walks like a like with like a metal clank? No, it wasn't. That was yeah. weird. Yeah, in the opening, he's like he's walking around like he's got like metal legs, something like that. <laughs> and then he's not got that in the like present day. So I'm wondering. Can just glide, doesn't he? In the yeah, I, I honestly have a feeling. That this film obviously had like quite a, I guess like a troubled production, mm. <laughs> and I don't always think that's a bad thing. I think my prime example of like it's not always terrible to not know what you're doing all the time is the Mr. Possible films. Like, yeah, they are rewriting the script on the day before doing a big stunt, like all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, entire sequences in the last film, uh, Mr. Possible Fallout, are just in the trailer, but not at all in the movie. Um, and it, that's one of my favorite films of this decade. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's not really that much big of a deal. But I do think if we do get deleted scenes on the Blu-ray or whatever, there's going to be a lot of saffin. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's definitely something missing there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also and thought it was weird that um, I kept on thinking, like, throughout the entire film, isn't Rami Malek, like, 30? Yeah, yeah. How old is this man? I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm assuming, I'm assuming that's why he wore the mask. Like they put the mask on in the opening, so it doesn't mm. kind of contradict itself. So we can just assume that he's like 16 or something. <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah, that's a weird thing. Because it um, seems to be a trend lately of just putting really talented actors in makeup and asking them to pretend to be old. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, do that a lot now for some reason. It's hiring an older actor. Um, Weirdly, it's always Ridley Scott though. I mean, I know this is the exception, but really, Scott really likes doing that. He does, yeah. Well, yeah, I guess he does. Because he's done it for Jared Leto in that new Gucci film. Yeah, the Gucci film. And and originally, they had put Kevin Spacey in a load for all the money in the world before they reshot it all. Yeah. What Which... a great... I love that little thing there. Just like the day it got announced that like he wasn't a good person <laughs> um they immediately were like let's just reshoot the film then <laughs> <laughs> they're immediately like call christopher Plummer." yeah <laughs> he's free i'm sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah yeah i think there's something there's definitely something missing with that character i don't think it's i honestly don't think it's like a a massive issue i honestly mm-hmm. just think it's kind of unfortunate that out of everything in the film that they really give a lot of heft to and a lot of emotional weight to for that for some reason with the villain they kind of went let's just give him something to start with and then just hope that the audience is fine with the usual bond kind of i have a palace and i want to take over the world with this is whatever my yeah whatever i've got in my layers my thing you know <laughs> like i like i want to put the world underwater or i want to be in space or whatever like it's just that sort of bond thing um, this is my lair with a big acid pond. Yeah. Why is that? Why is that there? I'm not sure. I think it's you know it's science. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I think 
Yeah. Well, did you? Is that? Would you say that's your biggest kind of uh, issue with the movie? Is the villain? I suppose so. Really, it's not. It's not. It's not anything that I'd really label an issue. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a little thing that holds it back a bit. Yeah. The villain and the fact that there are sort of weirdly jarring moments of sci-fi. Yeah. Like with the nanobots, it's kind of like when it when, when he said it, it was kind of like. I'm sorry. What could could you could you repeat that? <laughs> I, I, the thing that immediately popped into my mind was: Are we doing Transformers now? <laughs> yeah. But you know, it, it was more of like a, a, a an amusing observation to me, rather mm-hmm. than a, a major thing. Because yes, it is a bit jarring, but it's kind of like yeah, it's sci-fi. Deal with it. We're moving on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the weirdest part of it though was the fact that up until that point, I didn't think the 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 disease virus thing needed explanation. Yeah, I just thought it was know. kind of like I'm. I'm happy with you to just tell me that it targets certain. Yeah, it's just <laughs> a gas people. sort of thing. I'm. I'm fine with that. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like a. Um, you know, like when we talked about Wonder Woman 1984, mm-hmm. it's kind of like a lot in that. There's a load of this big exposition scene that kind of isn't necessary. Yeah, like. If you tell me in a movie like Wonder Woman 84 that is a rock that grants wishes by a cost, just say it like maybe twice, like maybe show it. Mm-hmm. And I'm fine. Like, I'm, we can move forward. I'm okay with this. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. if this, you know, the character has a lasso of truth, I can fly. I'm okay with a rock that gives wishes. I don't, I don't mind it. <laughs> um, yeah. And then like, there was sort of an earlier example in the film of the big cybernetic eye popped out, mm. which was definitely like a moment of, Wait, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think you can even see that on Daniel Craig's face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the way that, it, that, that Bond reacts to it is kind of similar to the way I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this. I think I kind of find it interesting that Daniel Craig's last adventure, it kind of, it just walks that line between going too far into the old stuff. like, mm. And I feel like that that's what Spectre tried to do, but it just did it in a really dull way. Mm. Um, like I feel like it definitely this one did it with the right amount of sense of humour about it. Yeah, like I feel like you know, I think you know the Spectre car chase uh, in in Rome, for example. Mm. You know, you technically you have all the elements there. You have you know Bond, you know, in a suit and there's a henchman and there's you know a fast like new Aston Martin or whatever and it has all these different buttons that can mean anything and it's kind of just they don't either commit to it or do like either they're going too far with it or going too little with it it's kind of a weird scene for me mm-hmm. um you know you got the comedy of like you know inspector inspector when he drives behind this old man in a car and there's this whole comedic bit where he drives him like up until like he almost hits a wall and it's like this whole big like comedic sort of thing and and it really concentrates on making that really broad and wacky but then you go to like you know he presses the button that says air, and you're thinking maybe this car's going to fly. <laughs> and then it turns out to be some sort of, you know, ejector seat sort of thing. And it's like, it's kind of fun, but it's not really that fun because the entire chasing was just... There's nothing... That that chasing just does not work for me. I don't know why that always sticks out in my mind as the worst thing about that film, but it's just... It's just a weird scene to me. <laughs> um, and I think this film has that kind of... It had no time to die. Has like that kind of um, 
it has that roughness of like Casino Royale, for example. Um, mm-hmm. It has yeah. Bond like breaking a sweat and barely getting through it. But at the same time, like there's a cybernetic eye and there's uh, a gadget watch. Uh, and, you know, like, there's these little things I watch while. And Daniel Craig reacts to it very, very well, I think. Um, mm. He sort of has that reaction of if Casino Royale, Daniel Craig got uh, a watch near the end of the film, his reaction would probably be that. Like, it would have been like, okay, like, <laughs> I didn't know we made these, but okay. <laughs> like, it's one of those sort of things. I think it does work well enough for me. Um, and I'm happy that Craig eventually got to do some classic Bond things, I guess. Um, yeah, he did, I suppose. He, you know, he has a pretty good quip mm, yeah. when he kills the guy with the cybernetic eye. I thought that was quite a good one. To go out for the last quip of Bond, mm-hmm. that was a pretty good one. Yeah. And I love that even, you know, he makes mention of his sense of humour, like, being quite, like, a dad joke sort of thing. <laughs> like, because um, I think he's talking to Madeline in their, yeah. like, home in, I want to say Norway is where the home is. Um, but um, he's talking to her and he says, like, it's something, like, having this back and forth, and he says, like, something like my, my sense of humour. Mm. And I think it's nice that as he's gotten older and as he's gotten a bit kind of more fun and more kind of loosey-goosey and not, you know... Um, the Casino Royale, like, brute instrument bond, um, he's kind of more aware that a lot of his suave things are not that suave, really. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I kind of really enjoy that, the character. Um, But I guess that's the other point we haven't talked about yet. How do you feel about, I guess, the other big spoiler? Um, He's a dad. (laughs) I thought that was a pretty neat way to do it. Yeah, yeah. Um... A part of me, but when it when it, when it sort of initially happened, where they said five years later, mm-hmm. I kind of thought, oh, all right then. <laughs> um, but it sort of became apparent when they did introduce the the daughter. Mm-hmm. I think it's played excellently. I think Daniel Craig absolutely knocks it out of the park. Yeah, every yeah. sort of interaction he has with her, mm-hmm. it, th- th- there's not much dialogue there, but it's yeah. just the way he acts around it, which is. It's it, it's just an example of how brilliant his performance is in this in this particular film. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of done with like a little. I don't know how to be a dad, but I just have instincts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> He's definitely sort of a guy that's just following said protective instincts. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's 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 probably the thing that makes the film work for me. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think. Um. One one sort of thing, and it, it, it's it's something something because I went to watch the film with my mum. Uh-huh. Um, one of the things that she said about the ending was that she didn't actually really feel it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I sort of understand that, and I I half I'm half the same in that. From the Madeline side of it, I don't really get the emotion. Like if it what if there was no daughter and it was just Madeline. Yeah. Because you know, because of the way she's introduced Inspector. Mm-hmm. And the way that sort of relationship starts and develops, I don't feel like we know her that well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't really, I don't really have that much of a connection to her. Mm-hmm. And I think in this No Time to Die, they do an infinitely better job with that relationship than they do Inspector. From the get go, <laughs> yeah, from the get go, and I absolutely applaud that. I think they handle it really well, despite mm-hmm. being handed something of a, of a poison chalice with that relationship. They do a good job, and the actors definitely have chemistry. Yeah. Um, but without that sort of key backstory, and without really understanding her, 
for me, if it was just Madeline at the bottom of that, in that little rock pool thing, mm-hmm. I don't think I'd have felt it. However, yeah. with the daughter there and with the interactions with the daughter, I definitely did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like that really worked, and it was the thing that it was the aspect that ultimately made it an excellent ending. Mm. Yeah, I think yeah, um, I, totally, I, I definitely agree with that. I think, I think it, it, as well, it's it's also sort of the the final thing to complete this sort of um, deconstruction of Bond. Mm-hmm. You know, to to give him this the the idea of a child of a daughter. Something that directly sort of contradicts everything Bond's been in the past. He's been a serial womanizer who's never, only once had a wife, which was very quickly brushed under the carpet under the, after that film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's just sort of, in the ways sort of misogynistic against, against women, sexist, all those things to have Bond sort of be at the end, have his final acts depend on having a little daughter. I think that was brilliant, and I think it was an excellent way of having that deconstruction and then sort of building back up again of Bond. Yeah. I think it was excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah, I think I definitely feel the connection more with the daughter than the Madeline kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think in part that kind of leads to the other big thing I want to talk about, and it kind of is just the spectre of the film, like the the whole kind of this is a sequel, for the most part, just to Spectre. Um, mm-hmm. Which, if you listen to our last podcast on this, um, or read a <laughs> review, or whatever, you know that we do not like that film very much. We don't. Um, it has its good things, but for the most part, it's it's definitely, like, I prefer Quantum even over it. Like, I just don't, I do not connect with that film on any level, and it really, it's really dull to me. Um, and I think the best part, well, the more, maybe not the best, but the most surprising part of this film to me was something I was really hoping for. And, re- and when I say hoping, I mean I really hoped for it. Because I, ho- I thought, like, if this film doesn't manage to make me believe in Madeline and James Bond and, you know, Blofeld is actually a meaningful villain, then I don't think I can buy into the, the starting premise of the film. Because that does seem to be where the film starts off from. Like, you buy into Spectre. Um, and I do not. <laughs> um, I think it's kind of a small miracle that in the space of like two minutes, I am like, oh yeah, James Bond and Madeline, they're great. <laughs> like, like they have like actual chemistry, and and I think they, I think this film, and I heard this kind of comment, I can't remember who by, um, on YouTube, I think, and I think it kind of goes for Skyfall as well. Um, I think this film feels refreshingly kind of freed up compared to Skyfall and Spectre. Um, there's a sort mm. of... And it definitely works with Skyfall, especially when it gets more and more grounded as the film goes on. Um, but not for most, not very much with Spectre. Um, there's definitely kind of this reserved kind of nature to those films. Um, they feel very precise and very kind of calculated and very kind of... We're going to put Bond through... A lot of tests but for the most part he will be that cool calm collected james bond we knew before casino royale for example um so and i think from the get-go this film feels way more free and kind of like we will see bond generally genuinely like not be able to get through some things and 
also I think I go for the acting as well. Um, I feel like Madeline and uh, Bond have like a much more natural chemistry than mm. last time. Yeah. Like even though they don't do that many quips in, in the Daniel Craig films, there's something about the dialogue between between Craig and Madeline Inspector that just feels like stilted Bond language. If that makes sense. Like yeah. they have a conversation on um, a train, and I always remember that train conversation having. It's trying to be the Vesper and Bond train scene mm, from yeah. but just not at all hitting any mark. Like, there's no back and forth. There's no, you know, one up on each other. There's no kind of surprising each other. There's no slowly revealing each other about, about each other. There's just kind of very, some quips, some smart, like, very, like, witty lines. And then at the end, Madeline very bluntly asks a question that comes out of nowhere of, like, what would you do if you couldn't? Do this anymore like what would you do if you just stopped being a hitman um and he kind of has a moment of wondering i don't know what i would be and that moment seems quite interesting and a unique place to go but it just feels like it comes out of nowhere and i don't believe for one second that bond would feel any sort of emotional barriers kind of taken down by madeline by that scene mm-hmm. um and then especially when the film just kind of jumps to them having sex like after a fight scene it's just so jarring it's so weird um and apparently they're in love as well like i can understand them liking each other but apparently they're in love by an inspector mm-hmm. um after one train journey one train journey yeah um it's not yeah it's very very rushed and unfortunate um but i feel like yeah i feel like blofeld as well in this film feels i love the very dramatic intro of the character it's so dramatic i loved it it's literally like drums like doing like going crazy and him slowly arriving in a cage um and i i loved it and i thought i i thought it was kind of unfortunate that christopher watson didn't get more to do like in terms of like mm. the character's performance i feel he, he kept it reserved like the inspector which was not my favorite choice um but i do love the interaction of Bond just kind of getting closer and closer to him and not realizing that he might kill him with the yeah. technology things. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I yeah, I think. How do you feel about the Spectre? This being very much a Spectre sequel. Um, I think it handles the elements very well. Yeah, I think the way it handles Spectre as an organization and the way they sort of they get finished off halfway through the film, mm-hmm. but sort of their legacy remains throughout. I think it's handled very well. Mm-hmm. For a concept that was kind of botched in the previous film, yeah. Um, again, the, the whole concept of Spectre, I'm not, I'm not completely against. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it it works on some level in the previous film, just not on the on the perspective of it was all me behind everything, <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. Um, yeah. But I think this. This film handles it very well and it wraps it all up. Like I, the film attempts to wrap a lot up, and I yeah. think for the most part it handles all of it very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is the Spectre aspect, especially mm-hmm. in that they sort of get this. It's this big world-ending threat in the form of Spectre that quickly gets sort of dispensed for a more personal one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's done very very efficiently. Mm-hmm. Um, and as, as I said to you, I found it quite amusing the way they made all the Spectre members white middle-aged men. 
<laughs> yeah, he was very creepy from the get-go. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, the, and I do kind of... It did make me kind of wish that we had more of Blofeld. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because Christopher Waltz is a great actor. Mm-hmm. And given given the right sort of the right setup, he could have been a great Bond villain. Mm-hmm. Spectre held him back on that front, and that, that meant that there wasn't really that much room for him to operate in this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and they even even here it felt kind of tied up in that they're clearly wrapping the whole Craig here up, mm-hmm. and because of that, you think, well, they kind of do have to kill him. Yeah, they've got to do something with the character to be like. He's not a threat anymore at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um and so they and that is kind of the only opportunity they have to kill him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which kind of. is a shame because that scene is great. It's one of the two sort of Bond on villain conversations mm-hmm. where Bond actually gets to talk. Like I, I don't really remember or think of Bond in any area, any era. Mm-hmm. But especially the Craig era is being particularly talkative. Yeah. Like almost always feels like he's just responding in conversations mm-hmm. whereas here to Blofeld he's full on monologuing <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, it's kind of weird and as I said to you there was, it was a very slight moment where, where Daniel Craig does a very specific kind of kind of facial expression and hand movement where I'm thinking holy shit that's Benoit Blanc <laughs> um, yeah but it, yeah it, it kind of quickly became became Bond again and yeah, it kind of made me sad that that was the only conversation of that between those two characters. And if anything, it kind of made me sad that there wasn't more of that Inspector. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And uh, this, I feel like Inspector, when it comes to, like, not to go back to it too much, but, <laughs> but um, Inspector, I just remember feeling like the most interesting part you could possibly have them talk about is their paths together. Mm-hmm. And yet, it's it's just really brushed over and the one reveal that they talk about it is just a name reveal um and then from then on it's just he's gonna use information information or data or something to i don't know take over something i honestly god i have still i've got no idea what the plan actually was um there's yeah i feel like at the very least, if you even if you don't vibe very much with the nanobots and the world ending plot and the big leap there, at least I was kind of clear on what was happening for the most part. Like, I got it. If you get touched by his nanobots, you can't touch a certain person or else they will die. And mm-hmm. if this gets out into the world, everyone will have that kind. There'll be like a full on pandemic. But like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like we've had kind of. <laughs> but yeah, and I just. It's a lot more clear in that sense compared to Spectre, and I appreciate that after Spectre. Um, and I, but I, yeah, overall, I still think that for me, Silver is my favorite um, Bond villain. Yeah. Um, even if, even if just because of the very grounded motivation of I just want to kill M, <laughs> like yeah, I just really enjoy that from a character of just like I don't really. I I mean, I do have elements of me that are kind of like I want to take over the world and I want to destroy this city or whatever, but really it's just I want to kill this one person that the main character might love or whatever um, I find it way more interesting than whatever again whatever Spectre was <laughs> um, um, but I tell you what I, what I did enjoy about this film on the goofy side of the kind of the, the weird kind of harkening back to the I guess kind of Roger Moore era sort of thing is Daniel Craig just sort of 
saying the word Spectre in this film. I don't know how to describe it, but when like he he realizes that Spectre blew up the the grave or Spectre behind these different things, the way he's like, oh, it's Spectre. I'm like, oh, this is this is fun. <laughs> like you just see like a like a. I don't know, like he's playing like a caricature of Bond for a little like brief one word. Like just the way he says it is so funny to me. <laughs> like it's Spectre. Um Yeah, I don't know what it was about that. That's made me really enjoy the film a bit more. <laughs> um it's kind of this goofy weird, like kind of it's my arch enemy, Spectre sort of thing. Um <laughs> I just really I enjoyed that. I haven't finished business with them. Yeah, yeah. I just really enjoyed that. Um but yeah, how did you feel about the the action in the film? I think the action is pretty phenomenal, to be honest. Mm. Um, I think this is this is really duking it out with Spectre, the, the most visually stunning Bond film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a lot of this, especially certain the way certain things are lit. Mm. It's very much, ooh, I like this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. quite happy to look at this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and weirdly, there's what very one particular. There's one particular shot which i think it's when daniel craig uh, when bonds found madeline mm-hmm. at the house and she's shown him the map of safin's island yeah mm-hmm. and they go outside the room i, th- I think it, it's then but the lighting like coming through the window the way it lights up perfectly lights up daniel craig's bottom half or top half yeah i just sat there looking at him thinking nice <laughs> Good job. <laughs> um, and then in one scene in particular, toward towards the end, when he's going up the stairs in the compound, mm-hmm. it's one continuous shot as he goes up most of the stairs. Yeah, it kind of felt like a a bit of a callback to the stairwell fight in Casino Royale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I remember watching that and thinking, again, this is one take. Nice. <laughs> it's kind of one of them things that maybe before doing a, a, a film degree I wouldn't have necessarily thought about mm-hmm. but having like studied specifics of stuff it's kind of like yeah <laughs> I appreciate <Nice>. that <laughs> well done <laughs> um, but yeah even even sort of relatively simple action sequences just seem fun if that makes mm-hmm. sense and I think that's something that Spectre completely missed yeah, yeah. And I think it's definitely it's even even sort of quantum Solace as well and and that's what and those two films in particular, they kind of miss sort of a well shot fight sequence. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um and I think there are several in this film that aren't they aren't necessarily spectacular, mm-hmm. but just the way they are, it just they just seem very entertaining. Yeah, and there is there isn't to me there isn't a bad one when when they have the shootout in in Cuba I think mm-hmm. great loved it even when they're in the when they're in the, the sort of the woods yeah it's not a particularly long it's not particularly elaborate but I'm just thinking in in my mind I always compare that to you know the chase in Spectre which is sort of through the snow mm-hmm. I just yeah. in my mind comparing those two is just night and day. <laughs> yeah, definitely is. Yeah, and you have this sequence in the forest in the fog where, yeah, it's, there's not a particularly intricate hand-to-hand thing going on, mm-hmm. but it's just it has a, an element of tension, and it just looks good. Yeah, and this is a very like minor thing for me, but I was I was kind of annoyed um, when the kind of 
there's kind of the the costume direction of the character changed a bit mm-hmm. um, with Skyfall going forward. I think Inspector, like he would always wear a suit no matter what scene he was doing. Um, I don't know why, but it's really appreciated going back to this Daniel Craig's Bond, especially in the forest scene, just kind mm-hmm. of wearing a shirt and like a big long jacket. And I was like, this is good. Like I, I prefer this over him wearing a suit, like as he always does sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like that's. I just never understood why he'd wear a suit all the time. Um, mm. And Inspector in especially, he is always wearing a suit. <laughs> um, yeah, I kind of get that. When he sort of turns up at Madeline's house with that kind of long jacket and the, mm. the sort of the, the underarm holster, yeah, I actually went to myself, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, there's like, I think something about Daniel Craig and the way he pulls off these kind of outfits um, <laughs> that is i for the most part i would say a lot more satisfying to me as a viewer and a lot more kind of just tangible as an action hero i guess than the actual like you know usual james bond he was suit all the time sort of thing mm. like i probably i think probably brosnan was the most like i always wear a suit character um taking the character um mm. maybe uh but yeah i just preferred like even at the end of the film, him wearing that like navy jumper, and you know, like I, I preferred. There's something about you know James Bond just wearing normal clothes in these new films that I like. Um, Casino Royale did it. Cormac Solis, for the most part, does it. Skyfall Inspector kind of go back to him wearing a suit all the time, and oh, I just I'm feel very like, sorry. Um, the phone's ringing. That's okay. I can't hear it on my end. Um, oh, I'll carry on then. Carry on. Sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just prefer him. I don't know. It's a very small thing, I guess. But I just, you know, I prefer it that way for that character. Um, just seems a lot more natural. And I just feel bad for him sometimes wearing a suit and running through the London underground. Like it's a bit much. Yeah, and it's always like, how are you running? <laughs> like that suit must be like it looks so tight. Why are you running? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It's a very small point, but yeah. Um, I I just want to mention I do love I did love the um the uh, the forest kind of sequence, um, so it started off quite usual Bond sort of thing like a chase scene, mm-hmm. um, but it became like this weird kind of almost thriller sort of thing, um, with the fog and the kind of him laying traps more than anything else, um, which I guess is more like a Skyfall thing or the last act of Skyfall, um. Yeah, I yeah, I really enjoy the action in this film. It it was surprisingly light on action in the third act. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of he goes to the bait like the lair, and they kind of get into it, and they kind of in action wise at least they kind of just walk around the lair for a long time. You do, don't they? <laughs> yeah, it's like a lot of like they find the lab, they hit a guy in the nose, and then they talk to the villain, and then they find the villain, and then they walk away, and then they walk around trying to find the girl. They find the girl. They put her in a boat and they walk back, and then the action kind of starts. <laughs> um, it's a lot of walking around in that last act, but it's usually, you know, it's not like a bad sort of thing. Um, yeah, you know, and I feel like a great comparison as well. That there's a one take staircase fight compared to the one take just walking around Inspector. <laughs> <laughs> like it is impressive, Inspector, and it is definitely a highlight of the film for me, Inspector. That opening one shot. Mm-hmm. Um, but here it kind of serves a purpose beyond just being kind of cool. Like it feels like it's ramping up the tension a bit because you feel like his desperation of getting upstairs. 
um, which there's barely any sort of desperation inspector. Yeah, I I feel like as well, the last act really benefits from feeling like an ending and knowing it's the ending. Um, yes, it did. it did. If it wasn't necessarily, the, that, if that wasn't the case, I'm not sure if it had a, if it would have kept that same mm. that same tension. Yeah, because as soon as as soon as one says something about having nine minutes when the missile's launching, mm-hmm. I was like, "There's no way it gets off this island." <laughs> 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 I just knew it. Like I knew for mm-hmm. a fact that it was going to be like the last second, or he's going to die. Um, and then you know, I think it was. I loved watching um, Craig's Bond almost make it. He stops mm. to get the toy, and then he gets shot like four times. <laughs> um, and it's like last little brutal fight with Staffin. Um, mm-hmm. Not very, not very long, but a very kind of brutal short fight. And he breaks his arm, um, which was that got like that audible kind of gasp mm. from the audience, uh, which always happens with an arm breaking. It's always like an audible gasp in the audience. Um, and that that fight for me is a perfect example of you know people complain about things being twelve A. Mm-hmm. That's brutal. Yeah, that yeah, that is brutal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't need to be alright to do that. Yeah, mm. um, yeah. I yeah, I just I just knew from the get go from the nine minute onwards. Like, I was like, there's no way. Mm. Um, I yeah. I think I can knew when he said goodbye to Madeline and and Matilda. Yeah, it has that sort of last goodbye thing, doesn't it? Yeah, and the way they sort of the boat leaves with the light behind them. Mm. Yeah. I was kind of like, oh, oh no. <laughs> and he says something like, I'll be right back. I'm like, no. <laughs> Don't say that. Don't say Do that. Do you not know you're in an action film? <laughs> There's no way you're coming back now. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if there's any other kind of big points to talk about. I guess, well, how do, I think we talked about this before, all the text. How do you feel about the whole kind of the Cuba portion of the movie? Um, I think it's definitely kind of, symptomatic of being like a we, we we have to wrap this spectre plot point up before we can get back to bond and madeline mm, yeah and it's definitely a case of how can we do this in the most fun way possible yeah yeah <laughs> which they definitely manage i think I'll, they, they are a lot of that to de Armas because she definitely shines in that scene mm-hmm. or those scenes and the way the way sort of like character of like a novice agent who is really excitable Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. an interesting comparison to have with Bond. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the action there is among the best in the film. I, I remember the bit where um, Paloma is fighting, I think it's like three goons, and the way she, when like, they end up on the floor, and the way she shoots all three of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that shot in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it was a, it was a fun sequence. A li- I think it's... A, little predictable in the fact that when they say and now we're going to release the gas that is only going to kill you mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. kills everyone else yeah <laughs> um but it's still fun, fun nonetheless what did, what did you think about that particular sort of section i think that's probably the most like just absolute fun uh daniel craig's bond has ever been like, mm, yeah like i love you know I guess now I can say this, I love more of his films. Like, we have three out of five. That would be, I would say. Yeah, which is, I, honestly, God, to me, more than the majority of actors that play this role get. Um, mm-hmm. Three great movies and two not so great. Um, but, yeah, I just, yeah, I feel like this is the most kind of just 
he's got one last, you know, adventure. Why not have like a, a sequence that's just fun for the sake of fun? Mm-hmm. Um, I love like the back and forth between him and him and Paloma and uh, Latrance's character, um, Normie. Um, I love the back and forth of like trying to capture the scientist and like the back and forth of where that character is amongst the playing field. Um, yeah. I also love Hans Zimmer's score in this movie. Um, I yeah, I was I was very surprised by it because I had a feeling it would kind of just be a whatever score by him, um, but it really kind of stood out for me. And I think this Cuba section in particular kind of was the most impressive for me score wise. Yeah. Um, uh, I. I loved it when he has a little moment and it's very much like a halfway point between, you know, Casino Royale Quantum's kind of brutal action and the Skyfall Spectre kind of suave bond of like, he's fighting all these guys and he's, he's barely getting through it and he falls off the, of like the, the thing and then he lands and gets up and he's kind of like a, this kind of goofy, like, oh, wow, okay, I made it, <laughs> kind of look on his face. And then from that, he has that, like, that drink with uh, Paloma. Yeah, um, yeah. And the Bond theme is like doing like a really very a really cool like build up, <laughs> um, and it just goes out and like shoots like I don't know like ten guys. <laughs> um, I yeah I just thought it was the most kind of just like Bond fun part of the movie, um, and yeah I just I also really enjoyed again like the goofy kind of nature of the movie that every once in a while kind of pops up of like the eyeballs on like a silver platter. And he's kind of being shown around. <laughs> um, I just really quite enjoyed that. Um, I think they are they are like the good elements of Bond's history that we like to see in the film. Yeah, yeah. I think we, we talk a lot about how the legacy of the older Bond films impacts Spectre, and it's definitely the worst things we know. He's just striding through the action with no with no sweat and mm-hmm. and weirder elements. But but when we're talking about sort of these goofy elements, I think it's them bringing in the better part of those mm-hmm. older films. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is, yeah, it, it adds a fun element to it. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think, I definitely think there's like a, there's like this halfway between, I feel like the perfect kind of Bond accuracy sequence if we're going for just classic Bond now mm-hmm. is put them through like everything you can do mm-hmm. and at the end have that kind of suave moment. Mm, yeah. Not just the suave moment is the entire sequence, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. which was again, unfortunately, kind of what Spectre went for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like it's for me that film, um, the one like Breath of Life it has is that train fight, yeah. and it literally is because Bond is trying. <laughs> like <laughs> it's just because that is happening for the first time in a movie. Maybe um, it just kind of feels like it's actually worth kind of caring about like <laughs> if it gets through it um and yeah i also i guess at the end of the sequence felix dies felix lighter yeah um kind by jeffrey Wright. yeah i again it was kind of one of those things and not, i don't say it's a bad thing it's again it's the kind of similar thing with the ending i just knew from the get-go of like as soon as i'm on that boat and the guy betrays him i was like there's no way if Felix gets out of this. <laughs> he's had a feeling about it, and he has that blood wound, like that bloodshot, um, that that what do you call it, gun wound, <laughs> um, and the water is rising. And I'm like, there's no way Bond can carry this man out of here. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, I just, again really enjoyed that, and I thought I loved like the cut to like that scene to Bond alone, or, like that little raft with the cigar. Mm-hmm. I just 
thought that was really good and a really good lead into him going back to MI6 in the next scene. Yeah, um, and then when he uh, deals with um, the the guy, the guy that kills Light, I've forgotten his name, Logan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that sort of line of um, I had a brother, his name was Felix, and he looks kicks the car onto him. I enjoyed that. Me too. I was like, if Bond's got to be brutal and heartless and whatever, do it that way. Like, it's mm. for a reason. <laughs> um, yeah, I love that. And I thought it was perfect, like, just a moment. And I, I think, again, we kind of haven't really mentioned, I, as much as there are kind of a, there's kind of a, a slightly goofier tone to this movie, there are definitely entire sequences where it's not at all goofy. It's very serious. And I think, for me, I love watching Daniel perform this character one last time, but also kind of also do like a little like a retrospective of what he did before as well. Like mm. he's always done something new with the character. I feel like when he thinks Madeline's betrayed him or, you know, that moment where he kills Logan or even the ending, there are sort of these like hints of like quantum Daniel Craig Bond or like Casino Royale Bond um, that feel like he's back to being kind of reserved again um, mm-hmm. and not very talkative. Like we we kept on saying just like before that he feels more talkative than usual. Yeah. Um, but there are moments where he kind of regresses, and it makes sense for him to regress in a way that feels like he's gone back to being just stoic. I'm going to put you on the train and not really say goodbye to you, sort of scene. Mm-hmm. Um, which I thought again like another highlight for me was that scene of him putting her on the train, and just that leads into the titles. I thought that was very. I love that actually. I really like, really, really like like that. Um, yeah, I yeah, I thought this film just nailed for the most part having a goofy world-ending tone at the same time as it stems from like a breakup essentially at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think it it gets away with it a slightly wackier and maybe maybe even a tad cliche with the nanobots thing. Mm-hmm. Um, plot by backing it up with a very strong emotional one. Yeah, yeah. It's something that, you know, if Spectre did have such an emotional plot line running through it, it would be, it would have been a million times better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even even if, even if you know the world ending plot was worse than what it is, because by no means is it bad. I think it's a pretty well 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 handled one. It's not particularly amazing, but it's still good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but it just has having that emotional angle with Bond and Madeline and and uh, Matilda. That's what sets it off. Yeah, definitely. And mm-hmm. it, it's probably the perfect example of reinforcing that you need that. You really need that. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. I, I, I think another example, you know, it being sort of a plan that they have in, in Mission Impossible Fallout. Mm-hmm. Like the yeah. villain plan is sort of oh, there's two nuclear warheads. <clears throat> Yeah, it's not particularly elaborate, but it works because there's such a strong emotional, emotional angle to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is this this is another example of that. Yeah, I think definitely agree in the sense that I, I think about the Miss Possible Fallout. Like the reason the plot gets rolling is because the main character's flaw of not letting anyone die. Exactly. Yeah, is the yeah. reason the whole plot happens. <laughs> and similar thing here, really. Like the whole reason the plot kind of gets rolling is because. Bond kind of regresses as a human being for a little bit with that the opening kind of pre-title set uh, credit mm. sequence, um, and it kind of sets off like a chain of events that lead to, yeah, a kind of a, a big nanobot <laughs> uh, 
world ending threat but also kind of it has that kind of build up to it and i think and as well like this film has some of like the first uh, very much again like bond first like we have a flashback scene in the beginning of the movie yeah um and spectre could have had that at the beginning with bond and his brother like they mm-hmm. could have done that and it could have made it maybe more tangible and a bit more kind of emotionally kind of led but it didn't do that it kind of kept with the we do a stunt we do a, a song we do an end briefing and then we go off like um and it was kind of at the detriment of the actual story at hand unfortunately um mm-hmm. but this time it kind of felt like if the story needs it we might as well break like what we're doing um so i think i want to say this is the longest pre-title sequence we've had um yeah it is. it's quite a long one yeah because usually it's like five minutes ten minutes maybe it's usually like a, a, a one sequence sort of thing one stunt one kind of chase but this time it's kind of a romantic montage like a flashback a romantic montage um a, you know uh, a chase scene a fight scene an escape scene and then like a goodbye <laughs> and it takes like it, it must be like 20 minutes mm, it must be, like, be long yeah um so yeah i feel like it's it would have been a it would have been a massive shame if they felt so compelled to go to the struct go back to the structure that they cut out the flashback or cut out the mm-hmm. the goodbye or whatever it might have been like it would have been a shame to them to do that and thankfully they didn't do that um yeah uh i don't know if there's anything else to kind of any topics to mention about this maybe. um i think i think i've covered everything yeah about you is there anything else you want to cover um, I'm not sure. I just think, yeah, I think the consensus still stands of like it's a really, really good movie. Um, mm-hmm. really well made, mm-hmm. entertaining, and emotional blockbuster. Yeah, and I think as well, I think it will age well. Um, yes, I think it will as well. I have a feeling that this is a film that's going to be uh, come back to you by Bond fans or whether on like ITV2 on a Saturday night, <laughs> and you're going to be like, oh, yeah, this was, you know. A very this good was one. actually very good. Yeah, they were they were trying, and arguably you could say they succeeded. I would say that for the most part they did succeed what mm, they were trying to do. Um, uh, yeah, I yeah I think it's you know if you're not a Bond fan, I think it's one of a few times I would say to you maybe watch this one because it might yeah. win you over. Um, if you are a Bond fan, try not to I don't know feel like they're ruining the you know the structure or whatever because I feel like that's kind of the it's the point of franchises franchises to keep on reinventing themselves um change so, yeah and i think you know bond if anything should do that because it's been doing it for 50 years with actors <laughs> um so yeah i don't know i don't know any like any last points you want to add to this um no i, I think just in summary that it's a very fitting end for for Daniel Craig, and I think he's definitely left the franchise in a significantly better place than when he when he joined. Yeah, that's a good point. He's, yeah, he's definitely sort of revolutionised the character. And I think to to put it into one sentence, Daniel Craig is, and probably always will be, the man that gave James Bond a soul. Yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, it's it's. I think you think this whole this whole sort of series and this five films that he's done is a testament to him. I think. 
Yeah, and that he he's he's changed his character a lot, and even even if he didn't necessarily want to come back for one more, you know he's done it, and he was he was committed to it, and in the process he's delivered Bond's probably most emotional and one of one of his best films. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. That's, I agree. I think yeah. I think it's kind of a shame looking back on the Brosnan era in particular. Like Brosnan could have been great as Bond and I think for the most part he is very good but mm-hmm. Goldeneye kind of has that line of you're a, a sexist misogynist dinosaur of the rather of the cold age and Money Penny is kind of not just what she used to be and it kind of pushes us forward but then by you know three movies later we're doing we're just doing the formula again um and you know Money Penny is Money Penny as usual and like there's a world ending laser and you know it's you know, it kind of devolved around Brosnan, even though he was trying his best. And I would, re- I would have been really sad if that happened to Craig. Um, mm-hmm. If Craig went from Casino Royale to, you know, another die another day, it would have been a real, <laughs> it would have been a real shame, <laughs> and it, it, even probably an even bigger shift in tone if it did. Um, and thankfully, they never. I don't think they didn't really drop the ball that much of his run. Um, you know, like Quantum and Spectre are unfortunate, but I feel like as a whole now I can like pretty confidently say that his run was a success for the most mm. part. Um, and yeah, it's it's going to be tough to like see it move on. <laughs> um, yeah. It is be very difficult. I think that's the big kind of the worry now. <laughs> yeah, just how do we go forward? Um, yeah, yeah. Do you want to should I wrap this up then? Yeah, yeah, you can wrap it up. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, I hope if you've seen No Time to Die, let us know what you thought about. Give us in the mm-hmm. comments or leave a review in like the the review section of like the podcast I was listening on. Um, or contact us if you want to. We can happy to have a conversation with you. Um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed. Uh, mm-hmm. Just to remind you again, we do have an Instagram account at Marvelous on the Podcast where we, we do. do reviews during the week and the podcast usually on a Monday. Um, and a Twitter account at Cinema Marvelous, where we do same thing over there. Uh, uh, reviews during the week and a podcast usually on a Monday. Um, but yeah, hope you enjoyed the movie and this podcast. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, hope to see you next time. And thank you very much. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.